Attention Greendale students and welcome to Streets Behind, a podcast about the TV show community. Hosted by two friends who met on campus but couldn't hang out during the pandemic. So we started this podcast to stay connected. And together we come up with so many insights about the show and the characters that we never would have thought of on our own. We know it's not perfect, but if it was, it wouldn't be Greendale. So join us. You're already already accepted. accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right, it is recording. Damn, I don't remember how we do the intro, but I'll figure it out. All right, ready? Yeah. One, two, three. What's up, everybody? You are listening to Streets Behind, your beloved fan pod dedicated to our beloved TV series community, beloved and now defunct. As ever, I am your (laughs) intrepid and weary host, Matthew Kroll. (laughs) Really attacking that, those lines there. <laughs> and and you are Peanut Gallery? Oh, uh, yeah, I would be your co-host, Sandy Keltro. <laughs> it's been a while, people. We had a sabbatical. We had a little sabbatical, as we often do with <laughs> yep. this with this pod. Um, but we decided to record this week. We're talking about Season 1, Episode 12, Comparative Religion. Yes, just before we started, I mentioned to Sandy that I'd no longer remember like how we start the show, what the intro is, what my cadence is. So when she says I'm attacking those lines, believe it, I was because I thought the only way I'm going to get through this and not have to start and stop this recording several times is if I just pick a lane and go with it. So I'm sorry <laughs> if I sounded violently aggressive, but it was, it's been months. I just needed to get, I'm nervous here. I'm nervous. No, and what's also different is we're recording instead of like on a weekend morning, um, on a, a weekday evening, which I thought was kind of nice because you we talked about this being like something we'd look forward to on a work day, which is like a TV show. Oh, that's awesome. I hadn't even thought about that, but this was this was appointment viewing slash recording for us yeah. because we had to watch the episode to prepare and um yeah but it's true there is something about having an appointment on a weekend night uh, and i will just say this that's also partly you know you said like oh, i'm really attacking the intro like it, because it's a different time of day there's no sun out it's not like a saturday morning and i've had a cup of coffee but sandy it's good to see you i'm glad we're back at it been too long i'm excited to talk about this episode and um yeah i will say there actually is something very nice about having this all day today at work i was like oh but shit i gotta like record a pot like you know i get to see sandy tonight we're doing streets behind tonight like it's it's cool it's a thursday it doesn't suck yeah this Um, is you know must see tv thursday (laughs) oh it used to be on thursday didn't it i think so wasn't it part of like with parks and rec for a while like a third oh my god meta man meta (laughs) we didn't even plan this but this is this is a thursday night recording of formerly must see tv so as we usually do so again this is season one episode 12 comparative religion or some people like to say comparative religion (laughs) um so we're going to basically frame it in terms of two major plot lines i think there's the basic or primary framing of the show which is the the christmas episode if you will the Mm -hmm. end of the fall semester episode and with that you get shirley's 
um, insistence on accentuating, you know, the Christianity of Christmas as the group starts to reveal their diverse religious backgrounds or lack thereof. So you get a lot of character reveals about, you know, what each character's religion is or how they approach Christmas. Uh, but it becomes particularly important for Shirley for reasons we will discuss. That's sort of the basic framing of, of this episode. Mm -hmm. But then interwoven with that and what causes the conflict is that one Anthony Michael Hall gets dusted off for a cameo <laughs> as I guess what we would call a bully, a campus bully named Mike. Mm -hmm. And Mike and his crew uh, are bullying Abed Jeff comes to Abed's defense that sets up this, you know, larger kind of crew versus crew study group versus Mike and his crew confrontation, uh, where Mike is, I think, one of the first characters we've seen in the show. But something that becomes a recurring theme throughout community is a campus bully, a hmm. campus asshole, a campus jerk. Right. Because later you get the Mean Girls episode with Hillary Duff. So mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting that this is one of those first moments where it's like there's this other crews that we've talked about in Greendale Universe. There's so many other <laughs> crews that you only ever get to scratch the surface of or other characters. Uh -huh. And here's one of those episodes where you see like there's this whole other crew that operates in, I guess, a bullying fashion. So those are sort of the two primary things. I thought we'd jump in on those. And then at the end, mm -hmm. I know you and I had some things yeah, that we wanted to that we wanted to discuss other so, things that just stood out. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Things that we noticed. And interestingly, you and I noticed some different things, um, which is what makes watching these episodes and talking about them with you so fun. So I'll pass it over to you. What did you think, Sandy, about the, I guess, main framework? What are some of your thoughts some of your hot takes on this. Um, this is like the religion episode where we get the reveals mm -hmm. of each character's religious background and particularly, you know, again, Shirley's insistence that there's a particular way this holiday is supposed to be done. Yeah. And uh, Shirley comes at this like full mom mode and the characters comment on this a lot about how she's using kind of like mom tricks to influence their behavior, mostly guilt trips you know, um, and she really, uh, I was thinking about like going to community college while watching this episode and thinking like, can I imagine somebody hosting a Christmas party, like in a library meeting room? And no, like <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> but surely, With a huge tree. Yeah, she somehow gets a tree in there. Um, <laughs> and surely like, she kind of like attacks this party like you attacked that intro like she goes for it a little too hard but that's okay <laughs> um, hey that's greendale that's yeah what, that's what we it find is. out that she really needs this um yeah. that that she's <laughs> we know that shirley is kind of in like mid-divorce and it is eventually revealed that she's not hosting a family christmas party this year and that's why she's so insistent upon having one at greendale but watching it now, I felt differently about her like motivation because she was really kind of concerned that this was going to be the only holiday party she got to do this year. Mm. And I was kind of like, lucky you get one holiday party. Like I didn't get any this year because of COVID. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I just saw that part differently where it was harder <laughs> to feel bad for Shirley because she was still getting a party with her friends. 
That's so interesting. I hadn't even thought about reflecting on it in our time and how that kind of get together with friends is uh, for some of us, just something we're not comfortable with or something that, you know, at certain times over the last couple of years would have been something that was barred um, unless you're Boris Johnson. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, so two things I want to pick up on that you said, or a couple things. Number one, the fact that the study room is just available for them to put a smorgasbord <laughs> of food or, is it smorgasbord or smorgasbord? I think it's smorgasbord, but I yeah. said smorgasbord, which tells you that I ought to be doing another fan pod on TNG, <laughs> on the next generation. No, um, but so they have this this veritable smorgasbord of food. <laughs> I'll just go with that. Um, and it's another one of those windows to <laughs> like how much the study room is just theirs because yeah. they have this huge tree she's decorating. And they there's come and go. F- like full like nativity. Times. Yes. Yeah. There's like a full nativity. One of them will be in there and like nobody else comes in and is like, hey, can I get a slice of that spiral <laughs> fucking ham? Like, no, I mean, come on. So it's it's just, it's so community. It's just like the, their little world in this. In, and so I'm glad you picked that up. The other thing, though, that I think was really important for me uh, in terms of the show, everything you said was important, Sandy, but in terms (laughs) of the show, I really think that this show had some psychological, a fairly significant psychological reveal of Shirley yet again. And Mm -hmm. I bring that up and I say yet again, because you and I have talked about this a lot this season where she talks about like smashing somebody's head again we've mentioned this multiple (laughs) times through a jukebox we're like damn i forgot how much shirley reveals about who she is like her character her psyche and here you get another aspect of that and i'm so glad you framed it in terms of motherhood because it was the it was shirley the mom realizing her family's disintegrating she is truly hurting that she's not going to have this traditional or typical family Christmas Mm -hmm. and so who's her family the group's her family so let's just pull them into this and it's going to go my way very much like a you know it's going to go my way it's going to be thus and so um and it's all going to take place here conveniently in the study room yeah but so yeah I love that you brought that up but then this last part you mentioned really kind of I hadn't even seen that I like but yeah I guess looking at it now from our perspective we're saying you guys got to have like eight people in a room sharing food without a mask on. Like how yeah, dare that's you a bitch party. about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting too about you mentioned the family thing is like, this isn't just like something that we're reading into. Like the characters call her out on trying to mother them. And, you know, Britta eventually brings it to this place where she's saying like, hey, we mm. can be your chosen family, but you can't be our mom. <laughs> like, mm. We have to all be adults in this family. You can't be in charge of it. Yeah. And the thing is with that sort of part at the end there where they're all having the dinner finally or the party and uh, Jeff's ready to fight Mike at three o'clock as they agreed to. Britta, I think it's it's very, I, I thought it was very well done because you're right. It's And I hadn't thought of it like that, but I love the way you framed that. Like, Surely you can choose us as your family, particularly given the circumstances, but you don't get to be our mom. Like that's a different relationship. That's not something you can impose on other people, you know? (laughs) Um, But the other thing too, is there was that interesting kind of interplay with 
Britta and Shirley, where Britta's sort of saying, well, like, how Christian is it of you that, like, you're not supporting Jeff, or, you know, like, mm-hmm. these sorts of things, which I thought kind of missed the mark a little bit, because considering he's going to physically fight another person, I thought, <laughs> I mean, I definitely think there's hypocrisies that can be pointed out in religion, and, you know, um, no, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and people, uh, you know, professing their religion especially Mm -hmm. around the holidays um but i thought that that part missed the mark for me but what that's funny because like i i kind of feel like that hit the brita mark (laughs) okay okay interesting like like that is what what brita would would think like that's the kind of like okay i don't know uh sloppy analysis (laughs) okay no that's interesting that brita would bring to this yeah, yeah. No, I love that. So it was it was very br- yeah, you're right. It was very like ad hoc or something in the way that Britta can yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I feel like it's, it misses the mark for you uh, PhD, you know, in his 40s, but really hits the mark for Britta <laughs> first semester at Greendale. I'm going to pretend none of what you said just now offended me. I'm <laughs> I'm going to pretend that none of that was meant to as a slight no um no but i see what you're saying and i do i i mean i I love that that i hadn't thought about that that is that's a very brita line i will say though what did work more i guess for me was then when she said basically her point being when she leaves like look if you're gonna be our family and a chosen family then we have to support each other and you have to come Mm -hmm. like support jeff because he's in trouble or whatever and that i thought was cool and um it also well i mean it just led to comedy because the fight in the snow is just pure shenanigans and silliness although what also really worked about that is so the rest of the study group is having this conversation about what it means to be chosen family. Jeff isn't there, but the study group lands on this, you know, idea that Britta puts forward that um, to really be family, that means supporting us when you don't agree with the other person. And so Jeff is not there for that discussion. He's getting ready to to fight um, (laughs) Michael Hall and like taking off his watch and his sunglasses and stuff. And he, of course, is wearing this like cringy, what would baby Jesus do bracelet that Shirley with her mom guilt forced them all to wear. And it like leads him to try to de-escalate the situation, even though he doesn't want to because he wants to respect what Shirley wants. So he is like out there, like living this definition of family that they have just thought of as they come to enter the scene. And I thought that was just like a nice Christmas moment. No, I love the way you articulated that because that's really the, the, I think what hit for me now that I hear you say that with, with Britta is the, yes, that like acceptance piece that like, again, you know, if if we're going to be your chosen family, this sort of like makeshift family, then it's not only like supporting one another's eyes, but it's also like, accepting each other's varying viewpoints on things and mm-hmm. accepting that like and accepting each other's flaws like accepting each other not as this idealized version of who you want them to be or who you mm-hmm. project that they ought to be based on your own ethos or whatever but that you accept them as they are mm-hmm. um and yeah you're right that scene where jeff is out there and he hasn't heard like this conversation <laughs> and so the group and Shirley sees him 
doing what Shirley would expect. And he says, I, I you know, like I'm doing what Shirley would yeah. do or whatever. Um, but then after he takes a couple body shots from Mike, you know, <laughs> Shirley makes it clear, like all bets are off. You can go ahead and kick this dude's ass now. Yeah. And then we have like zaniness ensues, which is great because you have this like beautiful little moment and then like all hell breaks loose. And it, it it's just like a this manic <laughs> fight scene with like five different visual punchlines happening like layered on top of each other every second of it it's pure comedy in a way that community does it very well much like food fight scenes or mm -hmm. other sort of chaos scenes that'll happen yeah. in like paintball episodes they tap into again that like 80s like slapstick kind of comedy sort of thing where there is this moment of um i don't know some kind of like redeeming you know like moral of the story or whatever and then immediately following there's just a shit show of comedy <laughs> and as you said multiple visual punchlines and just chaos happening which uh, you know effectively is the fight between the two crews i love the fact that jeff refers to mike's crew in different parts of the show as the cast of Breakin. Yep. <laughs> and then later as fly dancers. So for people of our generation that remember in living color, you know, like the like the fly girls or whatever. But yeah, the fly dancers. Um, but one of the things that does happen in this fight scene is Jeff, we've learned earlier, has never been punched in the face. And he gets punched mm -hmm. in the face, particularly and poignantly by Pierce at the yeah. end. Yeah. Pierce, this is another opportunity for Pierce to be like the wise mentor of the group in trying to teach Jeff how to fight. Um, <laughs> and then during the actual fight, it seems like he just kind of stands there the whole time because no one's willing to hit an old man. And then he finally gets a, an opportunity to punch Jeff right in the face. And that's that's his one contribution. <laughs> it's yeah no it's exactly it and it's funny because like the 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 mike's crew the fly dancers uh take off their shirts and then they're doing yeah. these like capoeira Why? style like flips and and suddenly like <laughs> britta's fighting the one other like the woman from mike's crew uh -huh. um sh uh annie is like spraying fake snow on this yeah dude, she's got like, some kind of snow him. fire hose because <laughs> yeah. well, they're in they're in this like merry winter corner of greendale yes. that yes. is non-denominational like it's way too non-denominational the dean has tried way too hard yes um, and it's for some reason it involves um a fire hose of fake snow that annie gets to to wield <laughs> so I, I realized we kind of blended um the the two of these I, I, there's a couple things about mike's role in this or you know like that confrontation that i want to pick up on in a second here because there's some great lines there but one of the things we've been talking around is the fight practice that troy yeah. and abed and oh, Pierce so and, and <laughs> jeff set up <laughs> because it speaks to one of the things that you mentioned which is annie accidentally reveals this to shirley shirley goes to like break up fight practice tells mm -hmm. Jeff that she's disappointed at which point Jeff has a great line he says disappointed is is mom for angry or something like yeah, that yeah she's yeah she says I'm not mad I'm disappointed and he's like that's mom for mad yeah yeah that's <laughs> which mom is, for mad. Yeah, which is exactly. an accurate translation 
Yeah, no, it's such a good line. But also, you know, I hadn't thought about this coming into our recording, but you're right. It's there's this whole like maternal thing that's happening with with Shirley here mm -hmm. and the sort of pressure she's putting on the group, which, again, is a is a byproduct of, you know, the divorce and not having this uh, nuclear uh, Christmas that you get the sense with her family that you get the sense is something that she's always looked forward to. And there's been a, mm -hmm. you know, she's probably been very much in control of how that yeah. day goes. And I don't want to read like too, too deeply into, <laughs> into this, which like we're already in pretty deep, aren't we? Um, <laughs> but I think like there are also a lot of times in the show when Shirley tries really hard not to be only defined as a mom. Yes, yes. Um, but in this case, I think she recognizes her power and is willing to wield it for her own purposes. <laughs> no, but the thing is, you're so right, Sandy. I mean, that's so much a part of what I think makes Shirley such an interesting character and has so much depth is that it's always this struggle against being like, the stay-at-home mom who didn't go to college and you know is just there to take care of the kids and is like you know kind of this role that she wants to reject and redefine is so much of who she is mm -hmm. um as as surely as the character and i think they i personally think that's one of the richest parts of this show as you go through and watch it again is you realize how much psychological if i would if you, if that's the right term how much psychological depth there is to surely <laughs> and how layered it is whereas like in contrast pierce you don't like you don't get that layering to him Although in this episode, we learned that Pierce is part of a cult, which is this layer that I love on him. <laughs> he's the laser lotus. Yeah, he's a, he's a level five laser lotus, but he gets knocked down to level four <laughs> just because Britta, Britta asks him if it's even like a real thing. And that automatically knocks him down a level. I love that this, this uh, not cult uh, has <laughs> thought of the rules so thoroughly that you could get knocked down a level by someone asking you if it's even a real thing. I know. I love <laughs> that. I was like, this is a smart cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we should say like, so Pierce is a, le a level five laser Lotus. Annie's Jewish. Surely, obviously Christian. Abed, Muslim. Troy, Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. Britta atheist and Jeff says he's agnostic which just like pisses off the group as they go around the table this is early in the episode they go around the table and they kind of all reveal their religions which by the way there are a couple of great lines from Troy and so when people are talking about what they believe in he says what else do you believe in blood transfusions yeah. again he's Jehovah's Witness and later He's explaining some of the things that they don't celebrate or like can't do. And he <laughs> says they can't drink, but then he has such a great deadpan line where he goes, but it helps Yeah, <laughs> about, <laughs> about drinking. Um, but when he, when he lists all these restrictions, Abed says something like, oh, like a Muslim. And he says, assalamu alaikum. At which point Troy responds, shama lama ding dong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> him like the fifth yeah like the yeah oh my god i forgot about some of these lines and that is in one of those scenes we've talked about this a lot and it's they do this early in episodes in the study room when they're going around the table that's one of those quick fire like scenes mm -hmm. where everybody's just rifling off lines they cover a lot of ground and there's they there's another so really good one where um troy i don't remember what troy says to trigger 
Pierce to respond, <laughs> tell that to the birthday cake you never had. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Um, okay, so obviously we were talking about these two things. Um, is there anything else you want to add for the kind of main framing of Shirley and Christmas and everybody's religion? Oh, so the only other thing that we didn't talk about is is when they kind of make their date to have a fight. And um, it's there's this really funny moment where they're trying to decide where they're going to do this. And they're torn between being kind of like macho and gruff and being practical and talking about the campus. <laughs> um, so they end up like screaming at each other about which bike rack they're going to meet at. Yes. And I just love, it's a really good like layered joke where it's only funny because of the way they're saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great joke. Um, so this this is a perfect segue to this kind of second main piece, which is obviously the fight, as we've talked about. We already talked about the fight, but Mike presenting himself as a bully to the group, which yeah. then becomes sort of a theme throughout certain shows. As I was saying, you have mm -hmm. like the Hillary Duff show with like the mean girls. There's these, you know, these characters that really become like campus jerks. They have villains, yeah. They have villains. And this is one of the early villain presentations. So mm -hmm. early in the episode, um, Abed grabs a bunch of cookie, winter doodle cookies. Which, okay, have you ever heard anyone outside of this episode say winter doodle? No. Is this but something they, I'm missing? The thing is, they own it so much where it's just like it's a winter They say doodle. it so like, much. Yeah, that I, I, I thought that's not a real thing. They just made this up. But I didn't even bother to look up if it's like a regional thing. But I love that they're just like, no, fuck it. It's a winter doodle. Everybody knows what a winter doodle is. <laughs> I feel like that's jokes on us. But maybe there's like a, a some region of the country that's where it's true. known there as a winter be. doodle. But it ain't the Midwest. I can tell you that. <laughs> but when Mike comes in, and, you know, basically tells Abed to give him like some of the cookies and they start to bully each other. Jeff quickly jumps in to like defend Abed, which then brings this layer in where Abed is now seeing this as a plot line of the TV show of his life, of the movie of his life, oh, yeah. that Jeff is going to defend him. And there is an amazing, hilarious line in here where Jeff and Mike are first confronting each other. And Jeff or Mike says to Jeff, knock, knock. He says something like, oh, you're funny. You think you're funny. You want to hear something funny or like you want to hear a joke or whatever. And Mike says, knock, knock, pauses slightly and then says, my fist up your balls, which <laughs> A, makes no fucking sense. But B, immediately after that, Jeff's response. <laughs> response is this like sarcastic and sort of lilting who's there <laughs> like yeah. he gives the who's there line afterwards and i was telling you this off mic before we recorded but what made i i literally laughed out loud at that moment it was the funniest part of the show for me just because of the <laughs> rhythm of that and just the just the silliness of like anthony knock, michael knock, hall fucking balls. goes for it and, he is all in and it is glorious. <laughs> and Anthony Michael Hall leaning in, just yeah. <laughs> going at it for this character. But what I loved about the way they framed that and filmed it is 
Abed is like standing just off of Jeff's right shoulder, <laughs> making all these faces like to each of their to Mike and Jeff's dialogue. Yeah. And his face changes so much depending on like who has the power or who's being like, you know, kind of top dog in the conversation mm-hmm. or whatever. That that just made me start to laugh because it's one of those moments where you realize like how good sometimes the framing and the filming and the physical comedy and like the facial gestures are of these actors. So that when you get the my fist up your balls, who's there? (laughs) I just lost. It was like the perfect it was a perfect joke construction. Um, No, but I think that's that's like we talk a lot about the show having like no wasted lines but i think you're right it's it's more than that like there's also like no wasted like backgrounds and danny pooty in the background is is wonderful but i i i don't think i'd noticed before watching it this time how much abed is watching this episode from inside the episode <laughs> like yes. once the villain gets introduced like abed is kind of just like that popcorn eating gif like the rest of the time like yeah i want to see more no, and that's, it's a perfect kind of, it's not an Abed episode like on the surface, but it's a perfect Abed episode because I noticed that this time watching it as well, he's just into the like, oh shit, I'm going to be entertained by my life. Like yeah. this is a moment where I'm getting bullied at school and like the cool kid comes to rescue me or whatever. I mean, <laughs> it's so well done. Again, just an homage to so much of those kind of 80s high school, you know, TV shows, uh-huh. movies, you know, like Zach being cool with Screech or whatever, like yeah. I'm saying, you know, I mean, it's like one of those things that they play that they pay homage to here. Um, the other thing, though, that I was going to say with the perfect joke construction, that leads me to circle back to the one you were talking about, because I want to give it its due. So when they're arguing about like, you mean the bike rack by the, like by this part of campus, and they're getting louder and louder because they're supposed to be yelling at each other, like setting up the tension for a fight. But, yeah. they're, but most of that conversation is just pinpointing the geographical location of where this fight will take place. Yeah. It's again, like to your point, it's just perfect joke construction. I, that is very, very well written this episode. I want to say the writer was, is it Liz Kakowski? And if I'm not mistaken, I think her husband or a relation, maybe not her husband, I shouldn't say, but um, is the guy who plays the um, campus police officer. And he's like very dry and kind of like, you know, this isn't funny or whatever, like that guy who, who yeah. I think is Officer Kakowski. I'll have to look that up but I'm pretty sure that there's a relation there. Cause I feel like I've looked this up before either. I'm so off on this that I just made up like total misinformation or I'm like pretty, pretty solid on that. So there are just a couple, a couple good lines I wanted to bring up like with this second part, some of these lines or, or like more like the gestures. So one of the things that Troy is trying to teach Jeff is like how to properly say what's up to like get a fight started. So when they, so when Jeff and Mike do that back and forth and it's just like, it's so not tough. Yeah, it's just like, and it's just like so awkward and weird. And it's just like, they get like higher and higher, like in pitch. And it's just like, it's just one of those things again, where there's like, 
it's this bullying thing and they're going to fight, but the comedy around it is so good because clearly neither one of these people wants to fight. Like Mike wants to fight <laughs> insofar as I think he feels like he has to fight or something, but Jeff doesn't want to fight. And to your point earlier, he tries to take the Shirley route. Like, no, it's, like it's, it's Christmas time. Although I have to say sidebar, I don't think we've mentioned yet. At one point, Jeff says it's December 10th. It's yeah, like that a does full come up two a lot. weeks before, before <laughs> Christmas, which though makes sense sense for campus like yeah. for campus life it usually is a couple weeks before the actual holiday yeah. that is like finals week or whatever but yeah i just wanted to point that out like the way the tension is getting built towards the fight but it's always de-escalating itself <laughs> the comedy like again what you brought up with the like pinpointing the geographic location of the fight and then like sup sup like the setup to the fight it's just always so ridiculous even you mentioned this earlier jeff taking off his glasses and being like wait let me let me take my glasses off and put my wallet yeah. and car keys over here it's just a perfect way to set it up because it's like it's supposed to be this confrontation and it's just purely absurd because there is no confrontation. No, it is definitely not a, a moment of passion kind of thing. And they go to great pains to um, like put training wheels and uh, brakes on this thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like their own momentum towards this climax is always like pumping the brakes on mm -hmm. it. So Real quick, I want to di like diverge a little bit here because there was another um, aspect of the show that we both wanted to talk about, but you and I kind of saw a different part of this. And in a sense, I saw something that was very related to the fight and you saw something that was very related to the Christmas theme. Oh, yeah. And so, mm -hmm. I, yeah, so I wanted to just bring this up. So one of the, I guess, plot lines I saw was Britta's sort of subversive deconstruction of fighting as homoerotic. Yeah. And how much she comments on this, even as the fight's starting and like the dudes are taking, Mike's crew are taking off their shirt. And she's just like, <laughs> I'm getting punked, right? Like, I mean, that's after a buildup of very many lines where she makes it clear that she thinks that Mike has this pent up gay um well and the all men aggression yeah, yeah all men and that that's what they're like fighting about mm -hmm. but the reason i wanted to bring this up is and i've said this before early seasons brita is just so different from late seasons brita and like to your point about her bringing up how Christian it is of surely like whatever, not to be like supporting Jeff and her sort of, interestingly, she kind of played Jeff with the like lines that deliver the moral of the story or whatever mm -hmm. in the setting of the, of the um, study room. Yeah. He usually does that analysis part, but it, she did. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. She kind of got that role. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I guess just, I wanted to point out that like, I really loved her role in this episode i thought it was funny that she's always kind of sitting off to the side like making this analysis of like yeah the homoeroticism behind the yeah. fight but also it just points out to early or it just points to early seasons britta who's very sarcastic very funny very sharp and then late seasons as hopefully we'll get there eventually she just becomes so vapid and like such a different character and that really stood out for me just the difference between the Brita of season one even season two and what you get in like seasons five and six when she's you know spoiler alert dating subway or whatever um <laughs> and and yeah I was just like I I think that was one of the things that made me fall in love with this show is um just yeah like how 
um, you know, she's like the politically active kind of like social uh, or like, um, you know, like social commentary character. And it's always uh, um, surprising to me when I go back and watch these early episodes, how much her character evolves and changes from that. See, and that's interesting because I definitely also think that Britta changes a lot over the course of the show. But when I was watching this one and she kept going back to this like fighting is homoerotic thing. I kind of felt like that like easy analysis was like very in tune with her character later on when she's kind of studying like therapy and psychology. Um, <laughs> okay. And that what seemed like a, a through line for me was I was like, well, this is really kind of like a, I don't know, not like immature, but maybe like simple way for hmm. her to, to see this. Um, and the fact that, she can't get away from this lens like she comes back to this analysis like at basically like every plot point she has a new like insight into how their behavior is confirming her theory that all fighting is homoerotic and i think like we kind of know that that that's not true that's an oversimplification um but to me that seemed like a like a way britta would analyze this and that hmm. that was like really kind of like a fun intellectual exercise for her hmm that's funny. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. Like each scene, she has a new quip, like to which, like mm -hmm. with which to approach this. Although interestingly, at the end, she is fighting the only woman in the yeah. other crew. So there's like an interesting parallel there, right? Where, where mm -hmm. her and like, you know, the other woman who's like stripped down to a sports bra or whatever are like fighting in the snow. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll pass it over to you because there was a, a there was a aspect of this particular episode that you saw as well. And when we talked about it before recording off cam um, off mic or whatever, I hadn't even I mean, I'd picked up on it, but it, it hadn't sunk in. And I thought you had a really interesting take on this. Yeah. So another fun part of this episode is we get to see more of the Dean mm -hmm. <laughs> and his quest to um, make this the most festive completely non-denominational winter celebration <laughs> ever. Um, and so he he's not in um, very many like moments of the show, but he starts us off with kind of morning announcements um, while he's putting on his like father winter costume, I think. And he had like a really great physical gag where he like gets through all the morning announcements and then goes to like zip off to be festive yes. and just walks like right into an open file cabinet yes. like instantaneously it's so good so Classic. funny and they yeah. don't really have any time to dwell on it but it's just such a good moment yeah that's what i love when we were talking about this you know coming into the episode is i i noticed those things and but you know just like whatever you focus on different things as a viewer um some of the what you're saying i think is really indicative of how things go with that character dean pelton and mm -hmm. and how the show starts to evolve in some ways often around him and he becomes more of a central character to the cast and often like the character quote unquote that like certain episodes are built around mm -hmm. um but you mentioned this this earlier I thought you had a good take on uh, what it says about the kind of Dean he is, as it were. Yeah. Okay. So this community college has so many winter decorations. It is bananas. Uh -huh. <laughs> he puts so like you, you can tell from the, like 
his morning announcements and how giddy he is about playing this father winter role. He's clearly made up for himself and has like a full costume for and like he works so hard at doing anything but being a Dean. <laughs> no, it's so right. Cause I love the way you put that is like, there, there's no like academic responsibility in this dude. No, this guy is here to make this campus fun. He goes out of his way to make it like accepted or, or, you know, like this sort of like accepting place. I mean, witness the human being as their mascot. (laughs) I mean, the things that he does to just create like just absurdity and preposterousness on this campus. He had a great line in the beginning when he's, um, you know, whatever basically wishing everyone like a happy winter break he says something about um so he he says it's before winter break which i love the fact that they frame it in terms of like academic semesters as any good show based on school or college should do right (laughs) like you got to follow the academic calendar because often literally that's the the like airing calendar right start in the Mm -hmm. fall and before like the summer or whatever but he says something about uh the students he says some of you will travel as far as three miles (laughs) so he just it's just like he he knows he's at this place that it's they ain't getting like a huge draw of students you know what i mean although Mm -hmm. in later episodes you'll see like some international students but it's just so funny early days greendale season one it's just like no this these people literally live a few blocks away. Like this is yeah. where they go to school. And so, um, but I love that you pointed that out, just how intent he is on doing all the shit that isn't being a Dean. Yeah, <laughs> but- he is doing the like acted out version of, do you remember being in like elementary school and each class had like a bulletin board and like some classes bulletin boards were like decked out. <laughs> with cutouts and like that wavy border paper. (laughs) He has the best bulletin board. He's that teacher. And that's all he does. He doesn't actually teach. I can smell Elmer's glue as you're like (laughs) painting this picture. Yes, the wavy bulletin board You have to get a stapler that opens so you can like crash it into the wall like a hammer to hang that stuff up which speaking of mike does take an open oh, he does, and he yeah. staples like some kind of thing to his <laughs> some kind of flyer like to his face yeah. Or something. Yeah, snow, yeah give me one of those snowmen he just staples it to his face the open the like the butterfly knife <laughs> stapler to get something onto a bulletin board that speaks to a time in the late 80s at like public <laughs> elementary schools in the midwest that is amazing before we get to our favorite part of the show as we're wrapping up here i thought i would as i often do pass it over to you for the coda oh i so one thing that i love about this is I have seen the episodes before, obviously, but I can never remember which coda goes with which episode. So it's always like a nice surprise to see which one it is. And this was the one where um, Troy and Abed are playing Oh Christmas Troy, (laughs) which is, so they're in the study room and Troy is kind of posing with his arms held out while Abed sings Christmas carols and decorates Troy like a Christmas tree. Um, And Jeff walks by and is like, it's just like a funny visual, but I really love the little bit of dialogue in this where Jeff asks like, why do you guys do these, these things? And they say like, because it's fun. And that's so true. Um, And I love that they like take the time to play these little games, even though they're adults now. 
And something it actually made me think of was um, now whenever people have like a free half hour, like we're looking at a screen and interacting Mm. with something that's intangible, you know, like we're interacting with ideas that are on Instagram, not like with the other people that are around us necessarily. And so like, I, I feel like because there's always that like outlet for boredom, like, are we losing the art of making up dumb shit just to pass the time? <laughs> okay, so I have a lot to say on this, but first of all, you're absolutely right. I love the way they frame it where Jeff walks by and is like, you know, as you said, what are you doing? Because it's fun. And it was like such a great and honest answer, but then Jeff joins them. They cut yeah. to Jeff joining and they're like singing Oh Christmas tree as they're decorating Troy as a Christmas tree. Which I is also, great... I guess, like, like you said earlier, like this is another way that Jeff is like trying somebody else's point of view. Like instead of just being snarky, which is the Jeff thing, he's like, okay, I'll try the singing thing. If Abed and Troy like it, maybe it's worth a try. It's also a callback, I think, to the crumping or whatever um, <laughs> coda, which we talked so about a good. few that's episodes back, where he's just like, no, that's not how you crump. You do it like this. I think there's an interesting thing that they did here with Jeff joining the coda to try and get a sense, as you just said, um, if, you know, to maybe paraphrase uh, the the fun and the sort of innocence that Abed and Troy have and the way that they're building a friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an interesting kind of wrinkle to these codas, Jeff being like, well, let me get in on this, you know? Because yeah. um, I do think it says a lot about Jeff as a character. Um, but the part about, I mean, you're so right. Like now, if we have free time, we go to a screen, right? We check Instagram, we watch a TV show, we check email, I mean, whatever. It's like, we're so screen oriented. Like, do we make up these games anymore? I had this exact conversation with a stranger uh, last summer. I happened to be uh, in New York visiting friends. We'd gone for like a walk through the park, kind of taken in the scene of like people out. Um, This was like up in Washington Heights. So like Northern Manhattan. So we just like walked around like the river, the Hudson, like, you know, saw people just like grilling and like kind of just took in the festive scene. And we're walking back up through a neighborhood and there's this guy and this woman kind of sitting on one of those little like, you know, three foot high kind of brick retaining wall kind of things Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I think because my friend's dog is what made these people like start talking to us Mm -hmm. um, because they wanted to pet the dog or whatever. So then the woman's talking to my friend's. Uh, they're a couple and I'm just sitting there like bullshitting with the dude who's a total stranger. And somehow we started talking about climbing trees <laughs> and how like kids don't climb trees anymore. And it was this whole, like, you know, two people in their forties being like, yeah, man, like nobody just plays games anymore. Nobody just like makes up games or like goes outside. Everybody's like on their, like, you know, whatever, playing video games all the time, but <laughs> it's such a, like, And I don't even think this is people of like late Gen X, like myself. I don't know if you consider yourself late Gen X, millennial, but like, I don't even think it's like a a generational thing in the sense that it's just like, we're old and curmudgeonly now. I mean, we are, but that's not this. Yeah. Fair. Fair. It should be said we are old and curmudgeonly now, but no, to your point though, I I think you're right. It's there's, it's more of a zeitgeist thing. Like it's just Mm -hmm. that people and especially younger generations that grew up with screens when there's a dull moment, when there's silence, when there's an awkward, like, what do you do? Just get your phone out and go look for things so you can feel comfortable. And yeah, the idea that like, I'm not saying nobody out there plays these kind of silly games where they like dress each other up as Christmas trees, but it is when you watch this show now and see these moments, it does kind of remind, like 
this show is of a different generation. We've talked mm-hmm. about this. This is like 12 years ago now that they're making <laughs> this show. It, it was a different time, man. And not just for COVID reasons. It was right. It speaks to something different, I think. And I think that's also why I love going back and watching it. It's not just the nostalgia of enjoying it when it first came on air, but it there's a it's written by writers of a different generation. They're tapping mm-hmm. into different jokes um, that yeah. works for us. Did you have a anything, sorry, anything else on that or anything else on the show generally mm-hmm. before we share our favorite moment of the show? I don't think so. I have a couple quick hitters. Can I share them with you? Yeah. Early in the episode, Pierce makes a uh, reference to Billy Joel. Troy shakes his head and mouths, <laughs> I don't know who that is to Annie. And Annie goes, I don't know either. So on yeah. this generational thing, they're like, who yeah. the fuck is Billy Joel? I do think it's worth pointing out that Shirley and Annie have an interesting interaction in which mm. Shirley comes to find out by Annie's admission that she's Jewish and says something to the effect of um, when when Annie comes into the study room to help de- decorate the tree, she hands Shirley a menorah and Shirley doesn't know where to put it on the tree. So she just like stuffs it into the tree yeah. and then like walks away and says, so, uh, so she, Shirley says to Annie, so I can't believe I never knew that you were Jewish. Although she doesn't say Jewish, she uses only the first syllable, the first um, syllable of the word, at which point Annie makes clear, I think you should say the whole word. And that's an interesting, it was an interesting joke to me, or maybe not a joke, an interesting comment, because Pierce does the same thing later. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was an interesting um it, it was like one of those moments where you're like, yeah, I think there's, that's like a real like comment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's not <laughs> supposed to be set up as a joke or comedy. Like that's very much a like public service announcement. I feel. It's also like um, when Pierce is doing uh, fight training with Troy and Jeff mm-hmm. um, and he's trying to, you know, Pierce as the the wise old man who's been in lots of fights in his day is um, trying to toughen these two up so that they won't be like distracted and therefore vulnerable during the fight. Um, and so he keeps saying things to yeah. get them to look over their shoulders. Um, and he makes some mention of something to Troy where he's like, well, that foxy black chick doesn't think that, and to make Troy turn around so Pierce can hit him while he's not looking. And Troy's so mad. He's like, why'd she have to be black? Yeah, I will say there was a lot of like, um, Pierce's, he has like some racist rant when they're talking about setting up fight practice, or maybe it was in fight practice where it was another one of those shows where, um, just where we're at. I mean, this, this should be generally the case that racist rants bother you. But I mean, especially watching this show now, even sometimes that humor of the character doesn't work for me. It falls a little flat. So a couple other quick hitters. Jeff had a great line. Uh, you know, Shirley basically says when they're when she's broken up their fight practice and is, you know, doing the like, uh, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed thing. Uh, she says, you know, basically to Jeff, so you you don't respect my religion or whatever you think it's, you know, a joke or whatever. I don't remember the exact line, but mm-hmm. Jeff says to me, religion is like Paul Rudd. I see the appeal and would never take it away from anyone, but I would also never stand in line for it, <laughs> which I thought was, I, you know, it was like, it's a good line. Um, and And the Paul Rudd reference, because at the time, you know, 12 years ago, that was like peak Paul Rudd. That was like, you know, so it was just like, it was a perfect, it was a perfect, uh, I thought reference. And then I don't know, like, like Paul, 
Jeff would um, not be like psychologically able to handle Paul Rudd's current status as like sex symbol in his fifties because ah, good point. <laughs> Jeff can't handle the idea of uh, another guy being more attractive than he is. So, <laughs> and you're right. Like how far is Paul Rudd come? But this was yeah. like early rom-com peak Paul yeah. Rudd. And you can see why that would be the person they'd use for this line. Um, and then just another quick hitter, Shirley's, a party in the study lounge you know pierce makes mention of his buddhism brita says you are not a buddhist you're in a cult and pierce says suck it nietzsche yeah because <laughs> she's an atheist which was just like hilarious to me so favorite part of the show do you have a favorite part of the show i have a favorite part of the show i don't i mean the funniest part to me was the you know knock knock joke or whatever early as i mentioned <laughs> but i have a favorite part of the show because it's subtle but it's something that has become so, it's a meme now. And there was, mm, I didn't realize okay. this was the episode that a particular meme came from. Oh, okay. What was it? When Mike comes into the class, to Spanish class, because they're taking the final. And there is a sub thread here of Jeff being worried he's not going to pass. He's That's not going to pass the final and make it into second semester Spanish. He's cutting the, it a little fine. Because he yep. doesn't want to do any more work than's absolutely necessary. Exactly. Because that is, that, as he reveals, that's his <laughs> definition of failure. Yeah. <laughs> when Andy's worried, like, you're going to fail. He's like, well, no, my definition of failure would be like doing more than I have to to get yeah. out of this class. <laughs> but so Mike sees him taking the final. He comes in. Britta has a bunch of her, like, kind of deconstructing the homoeroticism of the fight <laughs> lines. Um, but he says to senior chang he's basically like dude are you going to allow this guy or sorry yeah. he's like hey man kick this guy out at which point leaning back in his chair chang pauses and says i'll allow it meaning <laughs> i'll allow mike to come in and disrupt yeah. your final because i want to see this fight play out yeah. um but that is a meme like you can go find that gift huh. i'll allow it and i didn't realize nice. that this is the episode that chang's i'll allow it comes from so there's one of the you know many but um sort of iconic uh, community memes, I think, come from this episode. <laughs> so I was really stoked. I was like, oh, that's like where it came from. Because looking back on it, I don't always remember like where which episode these things were in. So the, that's funny because the moment I was going to mention that we haven't talked about yet, it was kind of a similar thing where I was oh, like, nice. oh, that's where that's from. So <laughs> there's um, a point in the cafeteria. Oh, so it's when it's when Jeff and Mike are making their fight date. Um <laughs> And the the dean comes in, so that kind of like prevents them from fighting right this minute. But he comes in in like his weird father winter regalia. Like, is he on some kind of cart or something? Yeah. There's pageantry involved. Yeah, they're like we, pushing him in or pulling. Yeah. Yeah. We don't get a, a really good look at it. <laughs> but the dean comes in saying, Merry, happy. And I have found myself saying that around Christmas time. No, <laughs> and that's, where, yes! that's where it's from. It's from this yes! one. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love this. I, I love when I say I love this show, I mean community and also Sandy. I mean, streets fucking behind. I love this show. <laughs> I love doing this because we don't talk about this stuff a lot. Well, you know, you know, no. we just like give a little here, like two minutes. What do you think? What are you thinking? All right, let's roll as people. If, if, if you're listening, you, <laughs> probably, you probably know guess, yeah. that it's a little organic here. There's a raw <laughs> organic food factory. But I love these reveals because I, we've talked about community so much. And when we used to work together, we know we love it. We're good friends. But I love these moments where I'm like, holy shit, like that. Like, so, <laughs> so I didn't, yeah, I can, I can see you 
saying Mary happy and not in the sense that I've seen you say it and I now recall it I mean now that you share that I can totally see Sandy saying Mary happy and a subtle thing with that with that scene if you I don't know if you notice this or if people go back and watch it there's like an administrative assistant walking in behind him and she's like mouthing the words as if they worked on this and wrote this entrance into the I cafeteria because there's this woman kind of mouthing like Mary happy and I, I noticed <laughs> it I was like that's such a subtle because it says I didn't so notice much. that I love that it's like they worked on this she was part of the writing you know like she's <laughs> nervous about it um no that's great I'm so happy that you shared that 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 was like <laughs> a moment for you too that's awesome this, this suddenly just talking about this has really made me love this episode that much more which I enjoyed it watching it but now it, I feel like it has like meaning because it's got the Chang meme and it's got this kind of thing that yeah. you you know that you say that you've adopted the last thing I'll say before we leave uh, maybe on this episode is um music was very much a part of it you get to hear mm. Shirley's voice and as an actor mm -hmm. she's got a great voice her um how did she put it her quote tolerant rewrite of silent night at the I end i do like her very, winter very carol good. about friendship yeah. yes yes her like <laughs> yes secularized what she's like tolerant rewrite of. yeah yeah like exactly <laughs> but she says it in the cadence of the song or whatever tolerant rewrite i love it um and then of course um abed and troy great voices like they're singing mm -hmm. uh, oh christmas tree but the oh, musical Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Very good. Oh, Christmas, Troy. But the musical moment of the show with me, the, the song during the fight scene is Florence and the Machine, Kiss with a Fist. There is a oh, great... I didn't know who that was, but it, that yeah. song is very well placed. I it's, really like it in that scene. Perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. And Florence and the Machine, just like great. I give it, I give it the chef's kiss, as they say nowadays. <laughs> Uh, for the for the pull on that from the writers mm -hmm. um yeah just a great song um sandy all right that's all i have to say you got anything else we shouldn't have stopped doing this this is fun <laughs> and i'm a happier person for having talked I, about community <laughs> oh i am too that got me a little choked up there you're right we shouldn't <laughs> have stopped doing this i think we revealed some things over the thanksgiving episode as to like you know you getting the new job. I wasn't necessarily in the on. best place. Yeah. So, um, but no, this is great. This is so much fun. If anybody's out there listening, I hope you guys enjoy it. I mean, as we've said all along, that's the point of this show and the point of, of our podcast and the point of the show. It's about community. And especially during these challenging and often socially distanced times, um, what better <laughs> way to like bring people together. But no, I'm glad you said that. Hopefully we get back in a groove here. Sandy, thanks as always. Great insights. Fun time. Mary happy. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, everybody, just quick update. So I just so I could get this right. And this was on my mind. But Liz Kakowski did, in fact, write this episode, season one, episode 12, Comparative Religion. It's her brother is Craig Kakowski, who plays Officer Kakowski in the show. So I was I was right about that connection. His last name is, in fact, Kakowski in real life and Officer Kakowski. But Liz Kakowski is his sister. I think I said maybe they were married when we were recording the show. But just to clarify, um, that is, in fact, a real thing. But I just wanted to... Uh, I guess, amend or correct their relationship. But I also wanted to bring this up because I love the fact that like 
it's literally a family thing for them. Like yeah. one of the writers and one of the characters and one of the, uh, you know, actors is like this Kekowski family. And I've seen her now that I've looked it up, I've seen her in things. And Sandy, if, if you saw it, if you saw her face, I'm sure you'd be like, oh, I've seen her and stuff. They're both incredibly oh, okay. funny people. I so got to Google that. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to give credit <laughs> where credit due. Um, anyways, thanks everybody. Our theme music is Happy Dance by Cedric Galkey. Please subscribe to Streets Behind wherever you get your podcasts.